and welcome to another episode of the APOG podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Patty Winters. She's a trained reproductive genetic counselor for over 20 years and the associate director of medical affairs at Illuminata. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Hi, I am Patty Winters and my pronouns are she and her. Awesome. Thanks so much. Now, before we really dive into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Thank you so much, Morgan, for having me here. Um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation and and just appreciate you inviting me. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am, as you mentioned, a trained genetic counselor. Uh, I first started my career as a clinical genetic counselor, providing genetic counseling to patients and families in a reproductive health setting. Mm. So I worked in different academic medical centers with families who were either pregnant or considering pregnancy and talking about the chance for certain genetic conditions based either on family history or a woman's age or clinical history. And so I did that for over a decade. Um, And during that time, I also had the opportunity to perform a lot of other roles. So I was a coordinator in a maternal serum screening laboratory. Mm. I was able to conduct some research and um, able to write practice guidelines for my professional organization. Um, And about 10 years ago, I was really interested in the introduction of non-invasive prenatal testing. Um, It's called NIPT into Mm. the clinical world. And so Mm -hmm. I transitioned from a clinical role to my current role at Illumina in order to help guide uh, the responsible and uh, clinical implementation of this new technology that was emerging. That's awesome. It certainly sounds like you've worn many different hats throughout your career, and we'll we'll definitely dive into your work with Illuminata and NIPT testing. But I'm I'm curious, how did you find yourself on the the career path when it came to genetic counseling? Well, unlike a lot of people who are in my field, I don't really have a great story about that to be answered. <laughs> to- <laughs> That's tor- Hey, it's your story. That's the one yeah. we're interested in um, hearing. So a lot of people <laughs> choose reproductive genetic counseling because of like a personal or a family experience. Um, personally, I just was always interested in genetics and, and I still love to mm-hmm. learn and be fascinated by, by genetics because it's just constantly changing. Um, but you know, my senior year, um, of undergrad, I was completing my genetics research, um, in a, in a laboratory and it, it kind of helped me understand I really was not mm-hmm. into lab <laughs> genetics <laughs> so much. So I knew I enjoyed working with people. Um, and I've always just had a really great respect for healthcare workers. So when I learned about genetic counseling, it seemed like a really good fit. So I could maintain my interest in genetics, but then also work with people and provide uh, patient care. Um, so originally I thought I would actually focus more on like pediatric genetic counseling, but the more experience I gained, mm-hmm. I just became really passionate about ensuring that pregnant patients and their families got the best information possible and were able to have the freedom to choose whatever was best for their families. Um, and so I very quickly in my med career focused on reproductive genetic counseling um, and and I've been doing it ever since. Well, I'll start by saying, A, um, that's a fantastic origin story. <laughs> I think there's many people, uh, listeners and not listeners of this podcast who can certainly uh, empathize with, it all starts with being super nerdy about a subject <laughs> and that <laughs> that passion growing from there. Now, I, I want to kind of bend your ear or I guess pick your brain. So you've had so much experience um, in this field. What, what changes have you seen 
over time, whether that's like the technology that's available or the variety of things we can screen for, or even, you know, changes in insurance coverage. Uh, all of that, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so much has changed. Um, genetics is just such a rapidly evolving field. Um, I, I laugh because when I think back to when I was in um, training, cancer genetic counseling was in its infancy. I didn't even have like a formal rotation in cancer genetic counseling. And now that's, I think there's more cancer genetic counselors than any other specialty. So, so a lot has changed. One of the biggest changes that I've seen, particularly in reproductive genetics has, as I already mentioned, been the introduction of non-invasive prenatal testing. Um, it really created a paradigm mm -hmm. shift in how we're able to deliver genetic screening during pregnancy. You know, pregnant families can now get information about the health of their pregnancy earlier um, and with a much lower chance for having a false positive result, um, meaning that, you know, the, if the screen indicates that there's an increased chance for a condition which is not actually present in the pregnancy, that's considered a false positive result. And you know, it can cause a lot of anxiety in pregnancies. And, and so, so mm. we're continually trying to improve screening technologies to, to, to make that less likely occurrence. Um, and then I think it's even going to continue changing. So, you know, the technology behind NIPT, you know, has the, has the, the potential to include a, an ever-growing list of conditions. Um, so while we typically screen for specific genetic conditions in pregnancy, this technology really will open the door to be able to expand that list mm -hmm. and even look for things that aren't necessarily screened for currently. So we may be able to look for different maternal conditions or pregnancy conditions like mm. preeclampsia or preterm birth, all with this technology in the future. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And that's actually a perfect dive into, you know, the, I guess the broader question, which is <laughs> what exactly is NIPT testing for, <laughs> for our listeners who, you know, might not be acquainted or who let's say they're, you know, a practicing provider who has been doing, you know, ICU medicine for so many years and doesn't, doesn't deal with GYN. Can you give us a little refresher of what it is? What does it involve for the patient? What are we screening for? Yes, absolutely. Um, so uh, NIPT or a non-invasive prenatal testing is a, a screening test that can be done during pregnancy to evaluate the chance for certain conditions to be present in the developing fetus. Um, so for, for decades, um, we have offered pregnant patients screening to determine if there's a higher chance for certain birth defects during pregnancy. Um, the one I think most people are, are familiar with is screening for Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and these screening tests don't give you a definitive answer, but they tell you if there's a higher or a lower chance for Down syndrome in the pregnancy. And then if there is an increased chance, further testing is available that would tell you with a yes or no answer. Um, that would be the CVS or the amniocentesis that can be performed during pregnancy. Either of those will give you that yes, no answer, but they do have a small risk for pregnancy complications, mm. including miscarriage. Mm -hmm. uh, and so some people choose to have a screening test to get more information to decide whether or not they want to have diagnostic testing. 
Other people choose not to have any screening or testing. And then some people choose to go straight to diagnostic testing in pregnancy. So the NIPT test, it's something that a pregnant person can opt into and it's a it's a blood test, correct? Correct. So it's a blood test from the arm. Okay. Um, so there's no risk to the pregnancy. And mm -hmm. in uh, a pregnant person's blood is cell-free DNA. And this cell-free DNA is little snippets or little segments of DNA that are floating around in the bloodstream. We all have it. So regardless of if you're pregnant or not, you have cell-free DNA floating around in your bloodstream. But if you are pregnant, you have your own DNA floating around. And then you also have little segments that are released from the placenta. And so by analyzing the blood of a pregnant mm -hmm. person, we can gain information about the pregnancy in addition to the person um, herself. Uh, and so this lets us analyze. And if we see any more or any less information than we would expect to see, we can tell if there's a higher or if there's a lower chance for certain chromosomal conditions in the pregnancy. As I mentioned, Down syndrome is the one that many people are familiar with. Um, we know individuals with Down syndrome have mm -hmm. three copies of chromosome number 21 rather than the usual two copies. So if we see more DNA coming from chromosome 21 than we expect, one explanation is that it's because the pregnancy has an extra copy of chromosome 21 and therefore would be expected to have Down syndrome. Gotcha. So it's mainly there to look for those extra, you know, trisomies, not, not just 21, but, you know, 13 and 18, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> Correct. Yes. So most NIPTs currently will, will screen for uh, trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome, trisomy 18 or trisomy 13. And most will um, give the option of looking at the sex chromosomes as well. Mm. And the sex chromosomes, um, usually females will have two X sex chromosomes, and usually males will have an X and a Y sex chromosome. But there can be extra missing sex chromosomes as well, which can lead to um, different features. But also, obviously, it can also predict what the fetal sex may be as well. Gotcha. Now, I was always curious about insurance coverage for this test. I'm curious because my twin sister <laughs> was pregnant recently ah. and uh, she came to me and she goes, yeah, my insurance didn't cover my NIPT testing. So they, she had to apply. We live in Virginia and there was a, a organization through the state that she could apply and they would provide assistance for NIPT testing. I just thought that was bananas. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Can you speak to that? I, or are you able to speak to that? Yeah. Well, I mean, the 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 answer is, is that it varies. Um, mm -hmm. So it depends on a person's insurance, obviously. Um, and when we're talking about state coverage, um, through Medicaid or through any other programs, it, it varies across the country as well. Um, so it's, it's, there's no one size fits all answer with regard to insurance coverage. What I can say is that um, for individuals with commercial insurance, the vast majority actually provide coverage for NIPT for all pregnant people and almost all provide coverage for um, people who will be 35 or older at the time of delivery. Gotcha. Um, Medicaid, as you know, oftentimes is a little bit slower to, to offer coverage for, for newer technologies, but there are many states in which um, NIPT is covered through Medicaid as well. Okay. So like, unfortunately, many of the questions of coverage in, uh, in healthcare is, oh, 
look, talk to your insurance company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> so let's say you have, and I'm sure you've given this spiel a bunch of times, but you have a patient who comes to the clinic and they're, you know, are offered the NAPT testing and they say, ah, you know, I'm just not, I'm not sure. How would you um, talk to this patient who's maybe hesitant about doing the mm-hmm. NIPT testing? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a great question. So I think one thing that's important to always remember is that this is voluntary. Some people find the information from NIPT helpful and desirable, and some people do not. And so it is very much a personal decision. Um, I think that when thinking about whether or not to have aneuploidy screening in pregnancy, it's important to understand what the test will tell you and what the test won't tell you including, you know, which conditions is it screening Mm -hmm. for, um, which conditions is it not screening for, um, how definitive are those results. It's important to remember that it is a screening test, and so false negative results and false positive results can occur. It's also important to think about the risks and the benefits and the limitations of the test. Um, Interestingly, with NIPT, because we're taking the sample and evaluating blood from the pregnant patient, we can sometimes get information about that person's health rather than the health of the pregnancy. And it's important to know that before having that screening test done as well. Um, Hmm. But it's also um, a test that that can give you some powerful information that may help to um, alter your pregnancy management for either the the pregnancy that's happening now or potentially even future pregnancies. So it really is dependent upon what information a person wants and when they want that information. Okay. And I guess in, in your capacity, are you the person there to, like you said, answer those questions, present the information to the maybe the t- provider who doesn't quite know where to go? Or are you involved, let's say, after someone does get a positive diagnosis? In, in my current role at Illumina, I am no longer directly involved in, in helping uh, with patient care. Um, so I do I don't do that any longer, but I did when I was in clinic um, on a daily basis. That's exactly what mm. what my role was. Um, and so it's always something that could potentially cause some anxiety. No person wants to hear during pregnancy that there's a concern that there might be mm-hmm. a, a, a medical problem. Um, but it's important to remember that the, as a screening test, further testing needs to be done in order to confirm the results. And that if there is a genetic condition in the pregnancy, there's a lot of information that we have available that that helps families to to learn about those conditions and to make informed choices about how to proceed with pregnancy management, you know, even if those conditions are are present. Gotcha. And when you were, like you said, not in your current role, but when you were in the clinic, were you the person who was helping them kind of after they had that positive diagnosis, kind of fielding, okay, next steps, like where do we go from here kind of situation? Yes, yes. Um, yep, absolutely. And, you know, luckily um, I was able to to find a lot of good resources for, for these families. So one of the most important things that we can do for families with a new diagnosis in pregnancy is to refer them to uh, different uh, support organizations. So there, as an example, if, if Down syndrome is diagnosed in a pregnancy, it's really important to provide numbers or contact information for local Down syndrome support groups. 
that's where people are going to get really good information about what Down syndrome is, what does it mean for families, um, and it really helps people to understand and process what those results are telling them. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the best things that we can do for families is to to connect them with other families who have children with the condition that that they were recently diagnosed with. Now, I think this is a very good turning point. We talked about what your job was in the clinic. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what you do with Illumina. Well, Illumina is a global leader in genomics technologies, and our mission is to improve human health by unlocking the power of the genome. Very powerful statement, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and so really, we develop technologies that help researchers and clinicians with the ultimate goal of ensuring that genomics should be available to to the many, not just to the few. And so we work very mm-hmm. hard on making genomics technologies affordable. Like just to put this into context, the cost to sequence the the whole human genome in 2001 was $100 million dollars. And the cost now is as low as two hundred dollars. Yep, quite a, quite a difference. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, again, you know, the, the with a one hundred million dollar price tag, genomics is not something that would be accessible to most people. But you know, working towards reducing that cost has enabled us to do things like offer an IPT routinely in pregnancy and offer other types of genetic testing um, in other clinical scenarios as well. So what my specific role at Illumina is, is really on ensuring that the genomics uh, is being used responsibly as part of a clinic, part of the clinical setting. So most of my energy is directed towards Mm. um, providing healthcare providers with education, developing tools to help healthcare providers use genomics, and also building evidence and, and doing research to demonstrate the value of genomics in health. And I, I did do a little bit of a deep dive or attempted to in your career. And I saw that you you led, created, executive this this app called NIPT Insights. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? Oh, yes. Thank you for asking. This was my passion oh, project over the course <laughs> we of love those. years. So. <laughs> um, so we, you know, as I've already kind of talked about, like it's very important when you're offering um, genetic screening or, you know, NIPT or any other type of, of genomic technology really is um, to ensure that patients are able to make an informed choice about what, if any of this screening or testing is right for them. Mm-hmm. But we know in the obstetrical community, uh, providers just have so many things that need to be covered during every prenatal visit. Um, and there just isn't the time to spend going in depth into discussing all of these genetic screening options. And unfortunately, you know, not every pregnant patient is able to see a genetic counselor to talk about these options. So we created the NIPT Insights app to support OB providers uh, with this counseling for their patients. So the app provides like a lot of the foundational knowledge mm. that would be helpful in making an informed choice. It's available at home and it can be done at, at your own pace and it can be done and shared with, with the support persons in your life, whether that's, you know, the, your, your partner in, in pregnancy or whether it's your, you know, mom or your dad that you talk to. Um, and these are things that, that research has shown that pregnant people want. Mm-hmm. Um, they want time to process this information. They want to talk to their, their stakeholders. 
Um, and so by gaining this information and giving that time before their appointment, the patients are then able to spend the precious face-to-face -face time that they have with their provider, asking more specific questions that are important to them, and exploring their own values and beliefs in order to arrive at an appropriate decision um, together with their provider regarding regarding these screening options. Gotcha. So I guess to, to summarize, it's an app that has all of the, the information in a I'll say, I don't know if palatable is the right word, but easy, easy to understand language of, mm -hmm. of what um, mm -hmm. this genetic testing entails. And then they can read that over, like you said, review it with their loved ones, their their partners. And then if, you know, have any follow-up questions or want to talk further about it, bring that back to the provider. Does that sound like a fair summary? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the content was written by three board-certified genetic counselors. Um, and it's been reviewed by a lot of stakeholders across the globe. So different maternal fetal medicine specialists, parents of children with different genetic conditions, patient advocacy groups. Um, we wanted to ensure it was, as you said, palatable. So we wanted to make sure it was understandable and that it conveyed the information that was important to people facing this decision. Um, and then we followed that up actually with a randomized study um, where we gave access to the app to some pregnant patients and um, did regular counseling for some pregnant patients. And mm -hmm. we did show that the app actually does increase patient knowledge. And those who use the app were quite satisfied with it and would recommend it to friends. Um, and so I'm super proud. It's now available in the Google and Apple app stores free of charge um, in over 10 languages. That's great. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's out there and hopefully um, is useful. I was going to say, it sounds like a great tool in, you know, a provider's toolbox. Yeah. I, I work in primary care. I don't see too many pregnant patients, but um, I'll definitely, you know, hopefully with the podcast, more people will, will give the app a check. That would be great. Now, I wanted to kind of go back to something you touched on earlier, which is these potential changes or additions we might see to NIPT testing in the future. Where do you see this technology moving forward? Is it just expanding the conditions we can screen for? Or you said that giving us more knowledge about the the mother's condition, or both. Yeah, I think in the in the immediate near term, we'll see an expansion of the conditions that we're screening for, and in fact, I mean that already exists. Um, so there are several different types of NIPT that are available through different laboratories. Some look for um, changes across the whole genome, so all of the chromosomes, and they look for pieces that are extra mm. missing, not just whole chromosomes that are extra missing. And then we also already have available um, screening for different genetic single gene disorders. So not chromosomal conditions, but single gene disorders um, oh. that can actually be screened for um, just using this, this blood sample from our pregnant patient as well. So these are things that are already available. Um, and I can, can, you know, I can envision that we may see that list expanding um, over time as well. I was recently at a, a maternal fetal medicine conference and someone mentioned doing whole genome sequencing through NIPT. So 
we're not there yet, but it is something that people have mentioned. It's good to have a goal. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but there are also um, different research studies looking at things like I mentioned that might be able to help predict which patients will go on to develop preeclampsia, which patients might go on to have preterm labor. There's a lot, I think, that this technology will empower us to learn about. Well, I I think you're right. As time and technology advances, hopefully that means that there's more information, more research, more resources, I should say, for patients to make informed decisions about what they want to do with their health and the health of their kiddos. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and things like preeclampsia and preterm labor, hopefully, how can we prevent those? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I always try to end the interview by saying, you know, is there anything that you love about your job or, you know, prenatal genetic testing or what are some things that you eh, maybe not so <laughs> not, a, not a fan of? Um, what I love is really easy. Um, you know, I'm honored that I've been able to share my love of this field with passionate, amazing, dedicated people. Um, and I have a lot of hope for the future of women's health. I'm excited to, to see where genomics goes and excited to watch us tackle some of the, the health problems that we see in pregnancy. And I think that's probably what I, what I dislike about the field is that I think women's health right now is not getting enough attention paid to it. You know, mm -hmm. we're a developed country and we just have, frankly, dismal maternal health record and, and striking disparities across different races. And I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, in the future, through the work of my colleagues and many, many other people, we'll only see that continue to improve. Well, I will say you're doing fantastic work. I was so excited <laughs> to talk to you today. Thank you so much. This was fun. What an experience. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with genetic counselor, Patty Winters. I want to give a huge thank you to Patty for taking the time out of her busy schedule to chat with me. It truly was a pleasure, and I learned a heck of a lot. Tune in next time, where I'll be reviewing peripartum and postpartum mood disorders. As always, you can listen to the show on APOG's website, www.paobgyn.org. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, or anywhere that podcasts are found. You can also follow APOG on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at APAOG to stay up to date on all the cool things we're working on. And lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a difference in our visibility and it would mean the world to me. That's it. That's the end of my pandering. Until next time, stay safe, tell someone you love them, and bring a little kindness into the world. Goodbye. Goodbye.